a January 2022 trip report from Disneyland on checking in with Robert Dwyer on the Milenomics Podcast Network. I am here today with a voice that's very familiar to subscribers, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Sam from Wildlamics. Welcome to Checking In. Thanks, Robert. Really nice to be on this show. It feels like a different space, even though it's very, very similar voice. Oh, it's going to be very uncomfortable. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we've been talking back and forth the past couple of days. A, a very ironic uh, circumstance occurred here. I had a trip planned to Disneyland this weekend that we canceled, and you're going to Disneyland. What is up with that? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even realize that that was the weekend that you were supposed to be out here until you mentioned it. And um, maybe I would have tempered some of my initial like discussion with you or I would have eased into it a little more. So sorry about that. I, I didn't realize that you had this loss that I was like, no, no, I'm, on, kind of. I, I enjoy I like living dunking on it. Like, yes, Disney. <laughs> and you're like, it's, it's so easy for me to go. There's just 20 minutes away. Don't you know? Yeah. I think that that plays well, into a little bit that it's so close and we'll get into that. But before we get mm -hmm. to Disney specific or lose any listeners that are interested in Disney only, we're going to talk about, I hope, the, just the general concept of doing a vacation that is something that my perception is everybody knows more about it than I do. And I'm oh. somewhat lukewarm about it. And for me, I'm a big Disney guy. Maybe that could be downhill skiing. You know, if somebody wanted to describe to me all the ins and outs of how to maximize an experience, taking your kids downhill skiing at some location, I'd be like, mm -hmm. uh, just the fact that we're having this conversation makes me feel like it's something that I don't <laughs> want to do. And the more right. you give me specific guidance, the less I want to do it. So if you're trying to encourage me that this is a good way to spend vacation with my family, you're turning me off with all these crazy tips. Where, where are you on that spectrum in terms of Genie Plus and mobile ordering <laughs> and you know standby lines versus Lightning Lane, all this stuff? I mean, how are you feeling about the trip going into You're going there later today. You're going to the park tomorrow. How are you feeling right now? I, I am cautiously optimistic, which I think you know is just kind of my, my default. I think uh, we should set the stage, Robert. I live close to Disneyland. I live in Southern California. It's been five or more years since I was last there because so much of it destroyed me the last time I was there, Robert. <laughs> that's a we lot. Anti-line. <laughs> I know it really is. <laughs> and how old are your kids? Here. I mean, this that's important too, right? right? I mean, you live close and you got kids. <laughs> I've got two kids, seven and two, and uh, but but really, the last time we went there, it just destroyed us. It was the lines were so long, and there was no real pattern to how to get to things. And you know, you're relying on third-party apps at that time to get wait times and try and figure out where to go. And you know, my daughter was very young at the time, and she had the uh, the infamous we now speak of it as the Toontown meltdown, <laughs> and she just didn't want to leave. And we had a hotel, and we took we did all the things right. We took a nap and everything, and but at the end of the day, it just chewed us up and. It's telling that it took us this long to come back, but it was very last, very spur of the moment type decision. Friday, my wife says in a text message, what do you think about going to Disney on Monday? And I went, all right. I mean, you know, we've had a crazy couple weeks uh, out here. And so uh, it's not something that I wanted to say no to. I want to say yes. I want to say yes to more things. And maybe I think, Robert, all of the, the knowledge that I've absorbed you know, over the time of listening to you on Disney podcasts and Joe on Disney podcasts. And not to say that I've spent much time listening to that, but just, just like being adjacent to some of the discussions and also being, you know, in inquiring 
what's changed. Like I'm always wanting to know what's changed. So I have friends who have magic key passes and they'll tell me about the reservation system and friends who went and told me how terrible the food situation was. So I have some knowledge, but I don't want to say like I stayed at a Holiday Inn like last night, but you know, in the last 24 hours, I feel like I've refined that knowledge enough to have a fun day tomorrow. So I've spent about 24 hours catching up on everything that's changed in the last five years at Disneyland. Sounds easy, right? Well, it sounds like what we've talked about in the show in terms of uh, you don't need to know the COVID restrictions in some bizarre foreign country up until it becomes relevant to you in yeah. the duration of your planning. So, you, you know, you could ignore the Disney stuff if you weren't going to go there for four years, but a big waste of time. But not only is Disney unique right now due to where they are coming back from COVID restrictions, everyone's idea of what they want out of a Disney trip based on their station in life and their kids' ages and such is different. So I think unlike any other vacation, it is so dependent on your current situation. And, you know, if somebody wants to write the definitive trip report on going to New York City, you think, okay, yeah, that person wrote the trip report on going to New York City. But with Disney, it's just it's just so personal. Like I could describe to one person a meal that I thought was really great, and that might be really off-putting to someone else if that's just not what they're looking for. Just because their mm-hmm. interests are different. You know, they go to a theme park, they want to have just uh, some quick food to keep them going. They want to go on as many rides as possible. Other people, they want to see shows. They want to see fireworks. They Everyone has different perspectives on what they hope to get out of a, out of a Disney trip. But for your group, it, you know, it sounds like, you know, it, it's hard to get anybody to do things they don't want to do. It's really hard to get four people to agree on what they want to do. So that's one of the, the things I've seen in, you know, reading Disney planning books over the years and observing people on Disney vacations. Building consensus is, is challenging. I know you guys are great at showing your kids a good time, but how are you navigating that? You know, how are we going to divvy up our time? What's important? Is there is there anybody in the family who has like really things they want to do, or is it just we're going to Disneyland? We're going to try to have fun doing whatever it might be. There are some things, you know. There's some things that we think we want to do, but uh, I will say this: we are not completionists. We are not the like check everything off the list. We also have three shots at this, Robert. So I think maybe uh, this will be like a beta test. I think you said that. You said, hey, tomorrow is your first dry run test. You figure out if you have any idea what you're actually doing or if you're completely lost. And uh, I think that's going to help. But we're not, you know, we're not at the ages where they're like super tied to anything specific to to the brand, I would say. It's tricky for Disney to crank out these blockbuster attractions with these memorable characters, immediately put them into parks, when they're relevant to young kids, right? You know, we think of, I, I thought a lot of going there when I was a kid is it was just like the classic Mickey characters forever. And it took them a long time to well, acquire Pixar and integrate those things into the park. But if you've got a you know seven-year-old, you know, uh, even say something like Moana, it hasn't been around that right. long <laughs> for them to right. you know, develop a land or an attraction out of it. Was it a big, big enough success? Did it make 500 million at the box office? Are we going to, you know, it takes a while. So it, it's almost always like they're chasing something and trying to make it relevant to the youngest kids in the group. But you mentioned those park tickets. Uh, let's, let's pause on those a little bit because I think they're a really good option. Most Disney park tickets I hear about are uh, they expire. And the clock starts ticking on the whole bundle of tickets immediately after you buy them in like 10, 14 days, something like that. But this sounds like a really good offer for Southern California residents. Tell us about that. Well, it's come around. Uh, This time of year is the slow time, I would say, in between Christmas and spring break. And usually they will do something for Southern California residents. And this year's Southern California residents offer is three days between now and the end of May, right before Memorial Day. But they've got to be weekdays. Mm -hmm. And so that's a 
bit of a consideration, but there aren't really any blockouts. I mean, the, the President's Day is available and tomorrow's available and most of the holidays between here and there are available, spring break, things like that. Um, you do need reservations, obviously, but those, that, those tickets start at, I think, as cheap as like 70 bucks a day for a single park. Uh, so you can get three days for, you know, a couple hundred bucks and you can pick and choose the days between now and May. So that, yeah, that is unique. I do know what you're talking about. Usually day one starts the clock and you've got like a massive run at, at Disney, which is nice for someone like you, Robert. That's it's ideal. I think, you know, you say like, well, we're going to be here three days so we can do all kinds of different things. But for me, it's a deal breaker. I can't do three days in a row. It's just so different. It's just a different way of approaching the park. I think. Yeah, especially with the lodging, you know, um, I've, I've said yeah. on the show before, like the worst place to visit a lot of tourist attractions is on a day trip. And even though you're close there, uh, your commute in the morning and getting back at night would be marred with the knowing what's ahead of reentering civilization after you go Ugh. to Disney. So as much as you, the Disney hotel prices are indefensible and especially Disneyland, uh, non-Disney hotels are extremely close. I do like staying in the Disney bubble, and when we go out there, I almost always do stay at a Disney hotel. Uh, if you don't have a hotel and you're so close, you know, just having a nap for the two-year-old, especially, yeah. uh, that's yeah. key. And uh, you know, but then at the same time, you know, you can't justify much of an expense in a hotel because hey, you only live you know 20 minutes away. Why would you? Why would you go home and take a nap? But just the the deflation that comes from leaving the park is as you know as as compact as it is out there still there's just this inertia that once you're in the park that you don't yeah. want to get out necessarily so what did you come up with for a lodging solution that balanced things in terms of uh, cost and proximity <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great point you know when it, when it's a single day trip i think it's almost harder even if you were going to like like say yes we are going to get a hotel but it's a weekday it's a single day you know the the constraints and specifications here become layered upon layered upon layered. But uh, if you had a single night hotel stay, would you stay the night before? Would you stay the night after? The ideal time for a nap is actually in between either of those. You know, right. you got to check out of a hotel around 11 and you can't check in until hopefully, if they're ready, 3 o'clock. <laughs> That's prime nap time. So They don't sell like so, a, day, a day hotel, which is kind of what you need, yeah. right? <laughs> I looked. There were a few places uh, a couple miles away that did a day rate, uh, really? mostly for work. Yeah, w w maybe like a Hyatt, uh, work work from Hyatt kind of thing maybe. I don't know. I think it was a Fairfield, yeah. And... Um, I looked at all of the options. I mean, we started talking about Disney hotels, saying, you know, it'd be really nice to be on property. But the, the idea of two nights and one of them being a night where we all have school and work the next day, so Oof. that's completely, we're not going to be there. Yeah. It, it quickly became like, even if money was not an option, it feels so wasteful. Uh, but, my, you know, and then, you know, temper that with the, the, the prices of a Disneyland hotel right now. So, I started looking at alternative options and I started really keying in on the time of day that I needed. That's when I found those day rate rooms at places. And Robert, you know, we've spent so many hours talking on this show about Hilton certificates and all these nights we have and all of that. And it didn't help me because the one specific thing I needed was I needed a room between the hours of checkout and check-in in, in general. Mm -hmm. And there is no way to do that. Diamond guarantee, none of it. None of it's going to help me with that period of time. But you know what did help me was, and, and it was completely unknown that I would use this, but American Express Fine Hotels and Resorts, Robert. Wow. Guarantees 4 p.m. late checkout at a fine hotel and resort. And I said, ah, that is the key. 
And then I started working backwards from there saying, if I can get a 4 p.m. late checkout, how close to the place to the place I want to be at the park can I get? And I can get across the street. Now, that's not close enough. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. And I'm sure when I come back, I'm going to go, yeah, it really wasn't. And I've got ideas to temper that a little bit too. <laughs> but the, the Westin Anaheim is relatively new. I think it's under a year old. And it's an Amex Fine Hotel and Resort, which means, ah, one of those platinum $200 credits that I thought I'd never use, I could use on this, Robert. And so I was putting all this together yesterday and kind of slowly pinging you about it. And I think it didn't really develop on your end what my end game result would be here, but it should be a room close enough for us to come back, take a nap, and then check out at 4 p.m. or before then when the nap is over for only a one-night stay. And I think that would be a win or should be a win, and I hope these aren't famous last words when we check back in. But ideally, I think that's going to help us extend the day and not have that inertia that you're talking about. I think yeah, that's a brilliant solution. I, I love it. I mean, you, you have maybe had some trepidation. Or would they really give you a no friction 4 p.m. checkout? I, if that works out, that really is ideal because uh, did you mention the price of it? I think you said it was around $300, right? And so you 350 that, all in. Yeah. But 200 yeah. back, that really takes a, a good bite out of that to be able to use that benefit, which you probably weren't going to use anyways. I was going to say, though, I, if you kind of gave me a, a trivia question, name a five-star hotel near Disneyland, I'd say, oh, that's that's famous. There are no five-star hotels there. So it's surprising that this Westin is part of the fine hotels and resorts package. That's a really good tip for, I think, anybody traveling to Disney if that uh, property works out. So it's, it's newish. That uh, was not there just uh, two years ago. I believe. I agree. Yeah, it is. It's next to the convention center, which is across the street, which is not as close as it looks on maps. So I think that that's <laughs> going to be a conversation point when we get back. How Definitely. did I navigate that? Definitely looking forward to that. I mean, there's across the street and then, I mean, you could probably hit it, like I said, a, a, a sand wedge uh, from the west into Radiator Springs Racers at the back of California Adventure there. But getting there is another There's no way better. to get in, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get the fence. Yeah, definitely. Definitely <laughs> give us up that. You were saying maybe you wouldn't even walk it. Although, you know, if it was just a couple of adults, it'd be no problem. But you're probably going to look for alternate transportation. I think that is the plan, Robert. I think that is, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see how it ends up working out, but uh, we've got to, you know, we've got to spend less than an hour getting back and forth because then it really doesn't make a lot of sense. It does. Just no, walk, put them in the car and drive around for an hour at that point. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, this would be fascinating. We'll come back in the second half of the show, so stick around. We'll hear about that and other things. Uh, let's talk about the lines really quick. You said that was one of the most off-putting things about your first trip. What are your plans to eradicate that problem, if, if possible, at you know one of the most famous theme parks in the world? All right, I'm going to say something that is probably incredibly unpopular, Robert, but I'm really looking forward to... I think I'm the test case for Genie Plus. And right. I think it is the solution that might help a guy like me who has really no interest in uh, in lines, but also has zero ties to any rides. Like, I will be a free agent tomorrow, Robert. You guys want to go on a ride? Great. Let's go on. I don't know. Let's go on that. Let's do it. And um, I think that that is going to either fall incredibly flat on my face or it's going to end up working out, I think. And uh, that lightning lane access should help for some rides, but we have some height restrictions that are really playing in here too. And so your words just in, upstream on the show, Robert, that it's so dependent on what your constraints and specifications are and what your your exact trip is going to be. You know, if I was doing this trip with your kids, it'd be a completely different situation. It would be like, we need to get on Rise of the Resistance. We need to get on this, 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 and this, because those are like... If we don't get on that, then the day's a waste. And 
we can't get on any of those with our entire family. And so, you know, we can't get on Indiana Jones. We can't get on Space Mountain. So we're going to be looking at maybe doing a rider switch situation or just skipping those and saying, hey, we're in a different place in life, a different station in life. Those things sound great, and they will be great in a couple of years when we come back and we can all go. Yeah, that Genie Plus, I haven't had a chance to try it at either park yet. Uh, I th- I'm surprised that people in California are having a hard time with it. I've heard negative things about it, but I don't want to, you know, project and just because you hear some scuttlebutt out there that everyone's going to have. So it's going to be really interesting for you to use it because you weren't historically a MaxPass user. You know, uh, that, you always did right. have to pay out there for better access to lines. And I, I did like the way that worked because unlike in Orlando, where you had to you paid to plan things weeks and months in advance, you just showed up there and it was more spontaneous, but you also had the advantage of lines being shorter depending on what was available in that MaxPass app. So our family really did like MaxPass. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, in a sense, you don't have that thing to aim for. We don't need to go on that market. I don't even know ride. what you're talking about, Robert. I really don't. <laughs> well, I have it, no but, idea what Max. I don't remember any of that. It, it might right. not even been around when you were there last time. I mean, it's been a while, but uh, not having targets kind of will I agree be the the genie plus is is both line access and suggestions that come to you do you have enough familiarity yeah. with the attractions in the parks to say oh, no no that's not for us or, or are, are you really going to trust the genie because if you're trusting the genie this could be this could be very interesting <laughs> <laughs> no I do I do have enough familiarity um and I I could string together a, a morning in Disneyland and an afternoon in California Adventure with just my institutional knowledge of what's been there the last five years maybe what's changed I'm interested in seeing but uh, some of that is like I said it's it's we're not going to get in the height requirements and so uh, they're not really tailoring rides to two and three year olds there's some new stuff that I'm interested in but but you know for, for me Robert it's going to be small world Dumbo uh, Toy Story um, uh, Toontown the carousel Winnie the Pooh Mr. Toad's Wild Ride we don't want another Toontown meltdown don't go back there <laughs> yeah, we might not. You're right. We might not. It's but true. is your seven-year-old up for a moderate thrill ride? Will uh, uh, Pirates of the so Caribbean? Yeah, will, she, will the whole family go on Pirates of the Caribbean? We will. We will. And so I like that that's in the lightning lane. Uh, Haunted Mansion, I think we'll give it a go. We'll Ooh, see. Yeah, I've yeah. got memories of being a little kid getting scared there. Oh, yeah, you know, for sure. We'll see. How about yeah. Big, Big Thunder Mountain? Would that be a roller coaster your seven-year-old would go on? I think she would. Yeah. And so I think the idea of splitting up has come up. And so if I'm going to do that, I believe... I need the app and my wife is going to need the app as well. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to need to dynamically manage that. And so there is a a secondary hurdle, which is if I know almost nothing about Disney, she's completely removed from the entire thing. So I'm having to, the number of questions I'm asking and trying to make some decisions, you know, around the food situation, especially Robert. I don't know if you want to talk about that today. Uh, a little bit and then recap it later, but I'm just peppering her with so many questions. She kind of is like, all right, we just want to go now. So stop asking questions and <laughs> we'll figure it out. But think, that's the thing that has us the most nervous, the food. I, I think there really is um, a tendency for one person in the family to be the planner. And that's when it works best. You know, if someone is really good at it and then everybody else just falls in line, they like a leader. <laughs> in your case, you're like both kind of uh, half interested, like we're going to go have a good time, but you're, you're doing some poking around, so you're asking a lot of questions. And yeah, you, just both, you both just want to go and have a good time. But that's a, a great yeah. segue. I think the number one concern at the theme parks is is lines. Number two is is food. And I think the perception is that, uh, you know, food used to be, at theme parks used to be just uh, hot dogs and popcorn and such it's a little bit different these days but at the same time if you're a real exotic 
eater, you have uh, you know tastes that are, your, are indulged with the incredible options that you have in Southern California, things are a little bit uh, mundane still. Still a lot of uh, burgers and just kind of you know basic fare and things like that. So you're being challenged to make reservations to get some food that you might not even be that excited about, right? I mean, as much as interesting options, yeah, there, we're not. There's, yeah, there's not infinite <laughs> options, right? So how are you navigating that? Uh, and I think the real thing that would be scary to me is if you had to rely on the technology of mobile order, even for something as simple as walking up and getting, you know, some some teriyaki skewers at some place in Ventureland yeah. or something like that. That seems Slice really off putting. Yeah. yeah. How do you handle well, that? Well, I have friends that, that that was a deal breaker. You know, they said we had to leave because the next available pizza was two hours away. That's unacceptable. And it was like we had unacceptable. Yeah. And so I don't exactly know what's going on with that. I think what's going on is there are no actual lines. Everything's in the app. And um, with kids the age that I have, I don't want anything to chance. There's enough that's already to chance, but anything that I can nail down, I'd rather nail it down. So I did make a lunch reservation. And again, I'm not really excited about it, but it's on the books and it's somewhere where we can walk in and say, this is my time. We're in a little bit of a crunch. Can you bring these things and we got to go? Or we can sit down and relax and take our... I mean, I'm nervous of finding a place to sit down and eat even, Robert, you know, like, so I've got that. I've got a dinner reservation at uh, the Tiki Bar that you told me to go to. And both of those are flexible. I'm continuing to check for options. You know, I'm a day out. And I think you had said 60 days out, this stuff opens up. So I'm, I'm either collecting scraps as people cancel or maybe just going to have to roll the dice and see what's available tomorrow and let my reservation go. Eh, whatever. If that happens, that happens. Yeah, I think the the game's a little different at Disney World versus Disneyland on a number of ways in food. But yeah, especially one thing that is common is that 24 hours before you have an opportunity to cancel without penalty. And so you see people uh, bogarting a bunch of reservations and then they decide what they actually want to do the day before. And so you're in a sense actually kind of looking at a good time. I mean, maybe you have a hard time getting the most (laughs) in-demand restaurants, but you didn't fret about this for two months, constantly improving your lie by one little bit. This is in a sense a day before one of the best days to pick up reservations at either either park. So hope you can pick up some good ones and yeah, just keep improving it when you have a chance to look at it up until the rest of the day. But yeah, you need to be traveling over there. So we got to get you out of here. I think that covers it uh, as much as we can. We could talk for hours about this and uh, we won't belabor the point, but I I think it's going to be fascinating because just in just a couple of minutes, we're going to come back and you'll have experienced this as close to real time as we can get. And we'll give people the story on how the hotel worked, how the transportation worked, how the lines worked and how the food looked. I'm looking so forward to it. I wish your whole family a great time. (laughs) Try not to stress out, even though I'm, uh, you know, running out of breath here. I'm so excited for you. (laughs) But uh, really, I want you to have a good time because I want you to enjoy the rest of this and I think it's a could be a really nice part about living in Southern California when your kids are growing up. Yeah, I appreciate that, Robert. Yeah, thanks a lot. Hey, we're gonna travel through time. That's pretty cool, actually. All right, back in one second. All right, we are back. Uh, I have not talked to you in person. I got some updates along the way. We are recording this as fresh as we possibly can, and I, I can't wait to hear. How was it? I mean, there's a lot. You can't like rate this stuff. You, you know, just how did it make you feel? How do you feel coming out of this this one day at Disneyland? <laughs> you know, it was fine. It, it went well. I mean, there were some tremendous stumbles, I would say. And there were some high, really, really high highlights. And uh, can I get mired in just looking at the negative? Sure, I could. But I really think I want to take away from it the positive you know the positive I I listened back to our earlier conversation this morning and I was saying we hate lines we hate crowds we hate all these things 
And that wasn't what tripped us up, crowds or people or any of that, lines. Um, we were able to craft a day, Robert, where we got on, I'm going to say eight rides, and they were all rides that we were interested in going on in one way or another. And the longest we waited in a line was like five or 10 minutes. And I think that was a tremendous success because any single one 40-minute line could have just destroyed our day. I mean, even those five or 10-minute lines were starting to like get a little bit testy with some situations where the kids were maybe a little tired or hungry. And um, and I have to hand it to anyone who can stand in a 40- or 50-minute line, you know, Big Thunder Mountain 50 minutes. I went and looked at the line, and I was like, that is that is a scene that I am not ready for ever, I don't think. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I've heard, you know, one of my favorite Disney podcasts is the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill, and that is from the, the guy at Len Testa who does touring plans. Fantastic podcast mm-hmm. out there. And they say that the index Disney shoots for is 10. Uh, they find that if people get 10 attractions in a day, they're going to be happy with their day overall. But, uh, and you will, we'll get into it later, I, I bet, uh, Genie Plus you know, wants to get you to do things even if it's not the thing that you want to do. So I would say doing eight of the things that you want to do, I could see my way to being a success. And if you were really five to 10 minutes, that's that's fantastic. It sounds like uh, Genie Plus worked out. It absolutely did, Robert. I mean, there's some more, uh, there's there's important numbers to qualify that with here, Robert. And that the, the number one thing I think to mention is we were only inside the parks physically for a little over five hours. And I tracked it all. I said, you know, okay, we, we got there right after they opened, something like 9.20. We left around 12.40 to go take our nap. We had eaten lunch as well, so I don't know if you count the lunch part of being in the park as in the park, but we had two hours of rides plus an hour of lunch. Then we took a nap, and then we let Genie Plus do some stuff while I was taking a nap. I put in some requests and things like that we got back to the park about three and to, to get in and do all that stuff and then we had to leave about five thirty to go make our dinner reservations and we never made it back so we were we were only there out of the 11 hours they were open under half of the time they were open <laughs> you know it it really is a long day with young kids i mean you need a lot of adrenaline and stamina to make it there from park opening to park closed and it's something that I, I, even with older kids, I don't think we've ever achieved because we just don't, you don't want to. I mean, even as a grown up, no, yeah. I, you know, I was kind of p- comparing notes with you as we went about the day here. You know, I went, ran some errands, went to the grocery store and I was tired. I, I just wanted some downtime after that. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, if you're paying this money, you want to be in the parks, you want to maximize and get all the rides. You know, it's a, not a day that's typical to, for anyone. I, I don't think the amount of walking, the, the, the uh, stimulation that's going on, the, the, the kind of adversity you have to overcome to have a good day there. It's a whole different different skill set physically and mentally physically yeah you know because the majority of our time was spent walking from one attraction to another you know the distances okay i'm gonna sound like like crazy when you have someone that goes to disney world a lot but Robert, the distances are not small you know they're not insignificant i would say maybe they are small in comparison to places in other theme parks but the distance is not insignificant you know we're walking from small world which is way at the back mm-hmm. all the way to guardians of the galaxy that's five thousand steps it's a mile it, that's, you know, yeah, with two yeah. kids, a mile might as well be a marathon at some point. <laughs> and they've made the park bigger over the years. Uh, you know, I remember, right. I, you know, say we're at uh, the Grand California, and we just want to shoot over to Galaxy's Edge. Well, that's, you know, beyond where the park even used to extend it to before. <laughs> so, you know, there's yeah. two parks now. There's, you know, from the back of the park to the other back of the park. Yeah, no, even even as spoiled as you are in terms of things being compact there, that distance could be significant. And 
the mental deflation that occurs when you leave the park. You know, it's hard to get back. I know we're going to get into that, but uh, that's a very real thing. You know, keeping everybody in the group's emotions high and invested in the situation is non-trivial. But I don't want to I don't want to get too far ahead. I'm interested in this hotel. That was the thing we kicked it all off with because that was very pivotal to getting there early the night before. You discovered this Mm -hmm. uh, Amex Fine Hotels and Resorts rate. This could be a really good option for somebody, I think, that doesn't mind staying close to the the resort, but uh, at, at a hotel where they can do this MX Fine Hotels and Resorts or just use uh, Marriott points to stay there. How did the hotel work out, all things considered? You know, the hotel worked out great. In fact, I was reflecting on it at the end of the day with my wife. I think it was a little, maybe I was a little harder on the hotel than she was. And so her experience, I think, is more important than mine. And she said she really loved that hotel enough that she, she thought it was the highlight of the trip. Whoa. Yeah. I think that might have to do with the fact that at the hotel, their whole job is to remove any stress you might have, you know, Uh, and all the stress that came, came outside of the hotel. And so it was a smooth check-in process. And one of the big things I want to mention, Robert, though, is I do not know what this hotel will be like on a regular day. They were maybe 10% occupied. Hmm. Very, very low occupancy rates. If I wanted to, I could put together a brochure that looked like their brochure just with my photos of all the places that I took a photo of because there's no people anywhere. And I love that. And we love that. So it's a hotel that felt like it was your own hotel. Um, and that can't be good for them long term. They have some staffing issues that they've mentioned. And, you know, in talking with staff, you're just saying like, hey, you know, when is it busy? And they're like, oh, well, hold on. We don't want it to be busy. So I was saying that they're hiring. You know, they're hiring all positions. They've got flyers everywhere and they need help and they need people. And when summer comes, if they don't have that, Robert, this could be bad. It could be a really, really stressed, overtaxed hotel. But right now, it's wonderful. Do you think it was low occupancy because they were capping it because they didn't have enough staff? Or was it there's just not the demand there right now? No, I think it's just there's not the demand. But really weird conversations where they're like, yeah, you know, summers here are crazy. And I went, summers? You guys have only been open since June. What do you mean? Like, what summers? (laughs) Yeah. Don't you mean summer? And then, so I I have a feeling because there used to be a hotel there. I have a feeling some of the staff maybe is held on from the old old hotel to this new hotel. And they are using their institutional experience of that location. And if that's true and people say, hey, this is the location, I don't care what the hotel is, I'm going to stay there because the location is good. And uh, they could have a, a wave of people coming in the summer and they could not have enough people for it. I mean, you know, we eat, we ate dinner at the restaurant. We were the only people in the whole restaurant for an hour and a half, Robert. And that's not good on a, on a, uh, a you know, a, a night where everyone should be maybe filing back in from Disney and want to eat dinner. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. So was, was it a teardown of what hotel was previously there or was it a remodel? I, I do believe it was a teardown. I, they, 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 they mentioned that they, they orchestrated it to look like an orchard. And um, did it did it feel brand new? It did. Everything felt brand new. It didn't feel like a like a like a like a remodel. Yeah. Um, so I you know to the point where like it's maybe too modern in some respects. Right. There's no light switches. Everything's touch. And you know, in the middle of the night in a dark room with dark <laughs> touch light switches that aren't lit up, you're fumbling. You're like, <laughs> how do I? What do I? You know, and you're only there one day. We can't figure it all out. And um, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, but 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 I'm I'm being too negative, Robert. Okay, so let's just go through it, right? You get there, you check in with this fine hotels and resorts rate. You could check in as early as twelve o'clock. Wow, that's not guaranteed, 
Right, but I was thinking about it on the way home, and I was thinking, like, the move might actually be to go to Disney and then check in when the kids are ready for a nap and just yeah. call ahead and be like, hey, it's 12. Can we come in an hour and check in and make sure that they're okay with that? You kind of roll the dice on that, but then you'd have the whole next day to just relax. And, you, yeah. you know, you could come back as home base later. So Yeah, I mean, you could, if you had a more kind of semi-seasonal pass, I don't know if they do it in California the way they do in Florida, you have a, maybe like a weekday pass or something like that. You could can mm-hmm. try all kinds they of do. crazy situations. I mean, I, I think of that in uh, New York City as well. You know, stay, say you're staying at a Hyatt in New York City, you get that Saturday stay you, and have a 4 p.m. checkout. I mean, that can really extend a weekend, turning one night into more like two. So uh, I saw the the sheet that enumerated all the benefits there. Did you get the uh, 4 p.m. late checkout without any friction? Yeah, zero friction. You know, I've had that in the past where they'll say, oh, yeah, we have it. And at 1130, your key cards no longer work and you've got to go downstairs and get. No, everything was I called in the morning. I said, I just want to make sure our late checkout and the person said, yeah, no, I see it here in the computer. You're good till four. And uh, one other nice thing, they only charged me for one night of parking. And that's not an insignificant amount of savings, I would say, because the parking situation, I no longer am a skeptic. When you say you come out here and you don't get a car, Robert, I completely understand because you're in some cases further away with a car than without a car at Disneyland. Oh yeah, It's ridiculous, especially with no way to get from parking to the park without walking. My wife was like done at that point. She was like, are you kidding me? Like, we have a car. How can we not get any closer than the Weston's parking lot? And we couldn't. I mapped it. So did you get the other other benefits there? Was like a $100 food and beverage credit? Is that the way you paid for your dinner the first night? Um, yeah, we used that for dinner. I mean, we went over. And then in the morning, they did give us access to the club lounge. And I, I wanted that access. It wasn't something that I got uh, with the room that I booked. And it wasn't clear to me if that would come with fine hotels and resorts. And it did. So they gave us that access without any asking or anything. Uh, even though it wasn't something that was listed on the fine hotels and resorts website, the club from four to six had, I mean, I would say hors d'oeuvres in the very loosest sense of the word, Robert. It was basically coffee, wine, water, and soda, and bread and cheese. And that's it. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like no, no one could ever feel like that's a replacement for anything. Um, yeah, they ceviche and they had some other things. I'm being too hard. Yeah. But they had a lounge. I mean, that's even that's surprising to me that they even had one. Yeah, they had a lounge, and the location's great. It's rooftop. It overlooks the park. It would be a great place to go watch fireworks at night. And it's the whole place is shaped like a U, and so each of the like wings have a rooftop situation. One is a rooftop bar and lounge that has food and drinks, and the other is the club lounge. And so it, the view is really, really great. And, uh, and we, the negative is that that's what their breakfast is. Their breakfast is set up in the lounge, continental breakfast, which I hate. Robert, I hate it. Ugh. And that's not breakfast, you know. And that's one issue here. Fine Hotels and Resorts says breakfast is included and $100 uh, a food and beverage credit. They don't say what kind of breakfast. And so uh, it's yeah. the classic hotel catch-22, you know. It's a breakfast that you would never pay for. That's being given to you for free to the point where we ended up buying room service breakfast uh, in addition because it just it mm. wasn't breakfast. That's weird. Yeah, I would expect breakfast to be something in addition to the club lounge. But I'm surprised they have a club lounge. I, I don't know that there are so many Westons in the world that have lounges and that you got it. That's, you know, like some of these days I'll do it at Hyatt. And I was like, man, you know, in hindsight, I got the free parking and this upgrade and the breakfast and the and it really starts to add up. And I think you really created a 
uh, you know, don't want to you overuse the phrase, but a, a be your own elite kind of situation there. That's fantastic. It's a lot of value for the money you spent there, and you get the two hundred dollars back. Uh, how does that work? Did you did you? I've never used that benefit on the Amex cards yet. Uh, does that come off at the time of booking, or is it a, a rebate we're waiting for here in the next few days? <laughs> we're definitely waiting for it, and that I mean the terms and conditions are so dense, Robert. I'm I think it's coming. I hope it's coming. <laughs> I I know that at the at the very last step when I you know picked to book with a platinum card it said you will receive $200 because you're using this platinum card that's fantastic um i guess the other big thing and any disney hotel has to be viewed through the lens of its relationship to the park and the distance and getting there what was that like you look on the map we said if you could get under the fence there you'd be in the in the park in no time but mm-hmm. you had to, you have to get around mm-hmm. to one of the two entrances the uh, west side or east side or i forget what the directions are but it, it's a distance so you said you might have a solution for that what did you end up doing uh, I'll take the first part of that question first, I would say. We did have to walk once, and it's not a wonderful walk, I will say that. And depending on where you say Disneyland starts and where Google says Disneyland starts, it's either a 10-minute walk or a 25-minute walk. Hmm. And the reason is you can get to the west entrance, which is basically the entrance to downtown Disney, mm-hmm. in about 10 minutes. It's not I- that bad. Yeah. But from there to the gate of Disneyland, it it's awful. Right? It's really, really far. And this is one of those points where it all went downhill. We wanted to take the monorail. You know, we said, hey, this will cut a bunch of our time out of getting to Trader Sam's at the end of the day. Yeah, it really should. Yeah. Like, like a genius, right? Yeah, we're right here. The monorail's right here. Let's do it. So we get the strollers up there and we do all the stuff we need to do. And oh, no, up. Uh, we have to re-energize the line, sir. Uh, there's an issue. Uh, it could be 10 minutes. It could be 15 minutes. And it's like it punches you in the gut because you're like, yep. dude, I just got all the way up here. There's no sign downstairs that says this is going yeah. on. And now I got to walk all the way to Trader Sam's. And I'm not saying that that's a huge walk in comparison to some places. But there's no alternative, Robert. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no alternative to a 20-minute walk at the end of the day when you're hungry. And that just that was the end of the day. Uh, that that would have been a great use of the of the monorail. I totally agree, and I've been snookered by that as well. Like, oh, it doesn't run when the fireworks are going. I was like, oh, that's exactly what we were thinking. Sneak back during the time, and then it is a that is a long walk when you were expecting to be zoomed across the <laughs> the resort in the transportation mode of the future. So, ah, oh, bummer. Right. That would have zipped you right over there. But, um, gosh, yeah, you're right. That is a long distance. But so, so, so that, you know, we ate dinner and then we said, well, it's, it's, it's silly to do anything but walk back. And I timed it. It was exactly 10 minutes from, from the Disneyland hotel, which is the West entrance to the hotel, you know, and you don't have to actually cross, you cross one street actually. So it's not terrible in that respect. And if the monorail was running, Hey, you could get to the West entrance in about 10 minutes and to the monorail in another few. And, you know, if you're staying at, I don't know, Paradise Pier or even the Disneyland hotel, You've still got to walk if the monorail's not running. So right. here's my solution, which we did three times, Robert. Once there, once back, and then once more back. I Ubered from the Westin to the East Park entrance where you can be dropped off. Yeah. And I love it. I think it's closer to the main gate entrance, certainly closer to security uh, than you can get dropped off on the West side. And it was like 7 to $10 each way. Nice. And... Uh, and so, you know, in the beginning of the day, are we going to do a 20-minute walk? No way. Uh, so the alternative was discussed. We should park the car at Disneyland. 
And I, I looked out the window and I went, we're going to end up parking right there. Like <laughs> I can look across the street and I know that's where they're going to put us right there. And so the walk is not any shorter. Let's, let's Uber. And I thought that that was a smart use of Uber credits. Um, and, and it got us right where we needed to be. And we were within, I don't know, 10 minutes of when the park opened. I don't think we would have done better parking. I think parking would have had a line to get into it. I think yeah. parking would have then had all of the gear getting out of the car and walking in and clearing security on the west side would have taken. And that's ruined our trips in the past where you, you just it takes 45 minutes to get in the park Ugh. from when you actually like get to the, you know, turn into the parking lot. So I, I, I don't have a solution for a future trip if I'm not staying at that hotel. But it's got me wondering, like, I don't know. I don't know how to avoid those parking lots because that sounds like a really bad scene right now. Yeah, no, I, I like the Uber solution. Just super direct if they're coming in, in a reasonably quick amount of time. And well, <laughs> we had one that wasn't, Robert. They were sending this Uber from like Costa Mesa to pick us up in Anaheim <laughs> and take us for $9 to the to the drop-off. I don't, I don't understand why they would take the fare, but it was that classic Uber situation because we need an Uber XL because there's four of us. And it's a classic situation where the app just starts pinging these cars and then the, the app starts zooming out into bigger and bigger geographical areas and you're like, oh no, I should have done this 20 minutes ago, but I wouldn't, right. you know, how would you ever know that that's going to take 20 minutes? But yeah, so we ended up taking a smaller Uber and making it work and just shoving four people in the back, no car seat, no seatbelt. I'm not happy with that solution, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's a short trip and, you know, not so nervous about that, but I hate it. Yeah. When you think like, oh, it'll be fi five minutes until it shows up and then it's 20. And then that really, once again, kind of deflates everybody and you sit around waiting and, you know, everyone's yeah. excited to go. Um, yeah. Before we get into the rides and the food, which I think, you know, the lines and the food were the next big concerns. What was the kids disposition on, you know, were they loving the rides and they wanted to go on more and more rides? So if you were not going on rides, were they cranky or what was their disposition about the whole thing? Uh, you know, about midway through the day. Yeah, there was a really weird dynamic as far as the ages where my seven-year-old wanted to go on everything mm -hmm. and really became like a daredevil through the day. And my two-year-old was scared of everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, down mm -hmm. to um, the smallest rides, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and it was, he just, he just overwhelmed. You know, he's just, and it's too loud. I told, I sent you this message, Robert, but the speakers on the animatronics and everything, it needs to be dialed back down. It's too loud. And he would just cover his ears at one point. And I would wow. too. I'd be like, this is too wow. loud. I don't like this. So. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what rides in particular did, did you get that notion? Um, Toy Story Blasters Ride and uh, Monsters mm -hmm. Inc. And Little Mermaid. You know, wow. he's, yeah. just, he's just too loud. And Little Mermaid, there's not a single issue with the ride that would scare him. He's just too much noise. So. Oof. You never know what's going to get you in terms of the kids and their preferences as they age. You know, it's uh, everyone is different. Like you can have exact same age kids and, and it's going to be a completely different playbook depending on what it is. So you got to roll with that. So your seven year old was enthusiastic about things, though. And did she get to go on some uh, thrill rides that she enjoyed? I, it's, it's line time. You said you got down to five, ten minutes. What what? How do you how do you pull that out? That you you did the genie plus? Are, are there still virtual queues? Uh, lightning lanes for for those uninitiated? You were coming in with a little bit of knowledge, but uh, explain to us how things are going this week at Disney because you're the expert on it. You were, you were there just yesterday. <laughs> I'm not gonna be that guy who's like I know it all because I went once. <laughs> uh, I thought there were virtual queues. Apparently, they're not doing that right now. And so 
there are a few rides that are the extra, you know, the lightning lane extra. You got to pay $20 or $15 to go on Spider-Man or Rise of the Resistance. And I was fine with that. I said, if we, if it comes down to it and we need to do that, we'll do that. We didn't even make it to Star Wars land or whatever. I, I haven't never set foot in there because there wasn't enough time. There were other things that were taking our, our attention and we have two more trips. And yeah. so, uh, the genie part of genie plus i don't know what that is robert other than maybe it tells you how long the lines are and it gives you some suggestions uh, genie would would say like the line is unusually short for this ride it's 30 minutes and it's normally an hour uh, that's it might as well be 10 hours i'm not standing in a 30 minute line with two kids so i don't know how effective the regular genie is but mm-hmm. genie plus was great because as soon as you set foot in the park you could select a, a, a ride that might normally have a long line. We knocked out a bunch of smaller rides and uh, didn't use a single Genie Plus until uh, we got to the Autopia ride. And we said, oh, well, uh, I had selected it about 30 minutes ahead. We went on something, Star Tours, or I don't remember what it was. Uh, and then I was ready to walk over to Autopia, walked over to Autopia. You can check in five minutes early. So we were actually a little early. And they said, yeah, just go ahead. Walked right on and... Uh, finished it up and then hit up another one on the way to lunch and had that ready to go. And then uh, something happened where they had to cancel that lightning lane. And so they gave us a voucher in the app, good for any lightning lane to any ride at any time. Hmm. And uh, so then I eventually after lunch uh, and about halfway through the nap time at the hotel, I clocked us in for Big Thunder Mountain so that by the time we got back, that was ready. And then we split the group and I clocked in uh, my wife and son for small world, which had like a 35 minute line as well. And so we split up, we both did those rides with the kids and then we met back up and uh, walking back to meet, I took another one and we transitioned over to California adventure. And then as soon as we had clogged in for that, clocked in for that, we took another one. And um, it, it really just was nice to be able to see dynamically, like what's available and how can we get to it pretty quickly? And that worked better for my seven-year-old than the two-year-old, especially at California Adventure. There were not a lot of options for the kids' rides, that little, little kids' rides that had Lightning Lane at California Adventure. Mm-hmm. On the other side, uh, at Disney, it seemed like you had some opportunity. Autopia, Small World, some of those rides that are all ages and pretty much all heights were available. And so we, we split up again at California Adventure, and my wife uh, wasn't using Lightning Lane. She was just looking for short lines, and that maybe was a genie regular genie situation and then we met back up and uh, walked back over to Disneyland and found some short lines and just had a good day I mean it was a good day of not waiting in lines Robert I would say and my daughter had so much fun on the some of the bigger rides that we challenged her with so now when we go back she and I have a game plan of what we're going to do ride wise so in that respect it's a laid some good foundation I'd say yeah well genie plus is is it twenty dollars a day per person is that right is that the price for it I believe so. Yeah. And includes photo pass, which uh, I thought was poorly represented. You know, in the past when we had annual passes that included that as well, and they were at like a lot of the key locations, you know, overlooking the Ferris wheel at California Adventure and where the giant pumpkin or the Christmas tree would be right on the other side of Main Street at Disneyland. And then throughout the park, you'd see them. I didn't see very many photographers. In fact, I Mm -hmm. only got one photo taken that went into my photo pass. So it seemed like it's really the lightning lane access, but yeah, $20. And you pay that w- w- when, um, at the day of, w- well in advance, as soon as you have 
park tickets or when 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 do you buy that? I think you can buy it at any time. We bought it attached to the tickets. So as soon okay. as we put the tickets into the app, it logged us in and had all that linked in. And the app is trash. I mean, it's buggy and it's crashing and for some reason it thought we were in one park and we we're in the other and you had to switch it over and I did not enjoy how much time you had to spend looking at the app. Mm-hmm. You know, for something that says it's going to like plan your day and make it stress-free. I'm constantly looking in the app. Everything's in the app. You check into the restaurant in the app. You do everything in the app. So it's um, it's too much. And I don't know how your phone is supposed to last all day in that situation if you don't have a good way to charge it back up. That's a good point. Even the best phone, if you're sitting on it for like three and a half, four hours, right. you're going to be in trouble. That's a good point. Uh, the Genie Plus, was that $20 per person per day so times three for you guys or four like the little one doesn't need it right does the little one even need a park ticket i guess not and so then you don't need genie plus yeah and they seemed pretty loose on that you know it's just like oh here's our three and you either show it to them and they scan on their little portable phone or they have a little scanner where they scan your phone and he would just walk in with us and they'd say oh yeah go ahead or mom and him would go and they just scan one phone and they'd walk in so cool well, so that, that's 60 bucks a day, and I think uh, well worth it. And depending on how you split up in the future, you, you, you would do it again. It would have been a terrible day without it. Yeah, without yeah. it, Robert, forget it. I mean, at the day, maybe it would have worked out, but there's certainly no way we would have ended up on some of those rides that had 50, 90, 100-minute waits. We wouldn't just wouldn't have been on them. Yeah. And we could have done a lot more, um, but we really were, like, constrained by my 2-year-old who can't do, you know, almost anything height-wise. So fun day, though. Well, let's talk about the food then. Uh, so you were the concerns of the food were, I think the worst case scenario was that you wouldn't have a dining reservation and then you were counting on mobile ordering that you would normally just get in line for, but it is mobile ordering only. I guess there's, in my mind, maybe three different types of dining experiences at a Disney park. You've got uh, like a, a popcorn stand or a guy selling churros or pretzels. That's That's the one kind of thing, just a cart you walk up to. And those, you don't need a mobile order, right? They still have lines, and you just get them, like, normal, right? Yeah, the the popcorn, the hot dogs, yeah, those are still just normal. Okay, and so then the, I guess we call them counter-service restaurants, those are all mobile order now, or or are they? What was, did you do any uh, any counter-service restaurants? I didn't, but judging by the way that the signs are up and the fact that there's no lines anywhere, those are all order in the app, even Dole Whip. Oh, that that I, you know—that's a weird one, right? That's kind of in between, uh, right? So, uh, did you did you did you did did you even try to like order anything like to say like come back two hours? That would be the big annoying thing, like oh yeah, I'll go for I a mean, Dole Whip I, and it's, yeah. it come back and get two hours from now. Yeah, you know, being a beta test, I did look at it, and there certainly were food options that when it became lunchtime, and it's really weird, Robert. It's not lunchtime, and all of a sudden you start looking around and people are like dashing for tables and stuff and it's lunchtime all of a sudden when it became lunchtime you could still get food that said like now to 15 minutes from now but you're like limited in your choices it's kind of the uber equivalent of it really is yeah you know you're like okay well we're here and that place is next to space mountain and it's food we don't want to eat but that's what's available now and that's that's terrible you know uh, but the place that's right next to you has availability 20 to 25 minutes from now. And so, yeah, 20 to 25 minutes is not terrible. And it's all perspective, Robert. You know, had you waited in a line for 10 minutes to order and then waited another 10 or 15 minutes for the food to be ready, you'd wait the same amount of time. But it just feels weird because there's all of the, like, the the mechanics of if there would be a line, 
you know, there's the like the zigzag where you would normally line up to order food and all of that is there. It's just completely empty. And yeah. <laughs> and then people are walking up constantly and they're like, oh, no, no, no. It doesn't work anymore like that. You got to get the app. And or like, you know, uh, sit down restaurants, which are the next type of restaurants you're going to talk about. I mean, it, it became like obvious these guys are reading a script almost where someone would walk up and they'd say, yeah, there's three of us. And they'd say, do you have a reservation? And the restaurant is completely empty. And the guy would go, no. And he'd go, unfortunately, in the next 20 minutes or so, all of our reservations will be coming and it's full. And then, you know, they'd say, you have to order in the app and you have to make all these. Then people would just hang their head down and be demoralized and walk away. And it's like, sorry, good luck. Like, we don't have any other option. And in a lot of cases, I feel like they didn't even have the app. You know, like, where, where do I yeah. get the app? I heard multiple times. Oh, geez. Jeez, yeah. So the if you walked in the park that morning and wanted a, a table service dining experience, that would be very difficult to come by. But you did make some reservations the day before, and we were saying that uh, you know you're maybe in kind of a good spot there, being a day out, and you're guarding your reservations, improving them. What did you end up doing for table service restaurants uh, at, at Disney? Uh, you, you did dinner the night before at the Westin, but the you I think had two sit down meals uh, in your time at yeah. Disney. Yeah, lunch was at the Carnation Cafe. Um, which is right on Main Street, uh, about halfway down. And I, the food was food. I mean, it wasn't terrible. Um, it wasn't great. Um, but it's it was on the way out, which was nice. So we were able to walk from wherever we were. We were going to go take a nap. We were going to walk by this place. And it apparently coincided with a parade that came right by while we were eating. So that was one of those nice moments of the day where my son was like, Remember when we were eating lunch and Mickey Mouse came by? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't have planned that if I wanted to, Robert. So that was nice. And, you know, I'm really glad we had it because the alternative, like I said, it would have been the kids picking between really bad options and uh, somebody being upset that they didn't want pizza or whatever and, and waiting a while and then trying to find a table. And so it was nice to have a spot that was ours walk in show them the app the app dings and says your table's ready and they walk you right over to the table very low yeah. friction right in the park right on main street cool you know i always say in the the, the ambiance is what you're going for there are a lot of times at disney dining experiences and so you know you can't go to a restaurant to, outside of disney and see a disney parade so you know that's good good, good uh, happenstance entertainment pleasant environment how, how was the weather by the way when you were there did it uh, <laughs> the, the sun come out it looked like a, a little rainy in the morning <laughs> it was rainy in the morning um, and it was raining again just as we sat down at Trader Sam's, which was not good after everything that happened. And it was raining, and they went, oh, well, we don't have anything that's not under the rain. And that was not good. Um, but other than that, and it's Southern California rain. It lasted five minutes each time. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, you don't know if it's going to last five minutes or not. So weather was good. But, yeah, like I mentioned, we went, we had to make it down to Trader Sam's, which it was far. I mean, it was a long walk. <laughs> You've mentioned that. Yeah, the other options were all in downtown Disney. And so they would have been equally upsetting, I think. The goal, I think, and it unfortunately had to walk right by, you know, a lot of other options on the way out um, to get there. Uh, and you have to walk through security. And I think that was a big killer for, for us, too. It's like, well, I'm not going back through security, even though it only takes a minute or two. That was the inertia that we talked about. And I realized that as soon as we walked out that gate, I go, that's it. We're done. Yeah, I was thinking that time of day, you'd probably be, dinner would be the last thing you'd do no matter where you were. You know, the park, what, closed at 8 o'clock and you were sitting up for dinner yeah. at 5.30ish and so. Six, yeah. But we had that like use anywhere lightning lane 
Oh, that went to waste? Yeah, it went to waste. Oh, no. You know, oh, so. no. Yeah, but, you know, what were we going to do with it? Nothing, really. So, But uh, on Trader Sam's, I, I'm, it's one of my favorites at both uh, Disney World and Disneyland. Uh, but I, I'd never seen reservations available for that before. And I actually uh, pinged uh, Leslie from Trips with Tykes and uh, Disney Deciphered on, you know, is that a seat inside or outside? Because to me, the upside in that is uh, being inside, but then some people are uncomfortable with that in the time of COVID. Like I've never gone to that restaurant and sat outside. The All the all the upside of that restaurant is the the the, the, the crazy things that happen inside technology-wise and noise and, 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 and stuff like that. So, Oh, is that what was going on in there? Yeah, that, that's like the whole thing, right? So but did they, did they ask you whether you wanted to sit inside or outside, or what did your reservation get you? Well, I think you got to be 21 to sit inside, right? I'm not sure. No, no. Maybe at a certain no. time you do, um, but mm. uh, you, mm. t- you can take the whole family in there un- un- until it's like nighttime, which I think six o'clock you, sh- you would have been more like dinner time as opposed to like, I think maybe nine or 10 at night turns into more of a bar thing. But um, gotcha. did they ask you, they just sat you outside? I mean, you have to do all that in the app. And so it says, do you want first available inside, outside? And, you know, I went first available. <laughs> I'm not playing around. Um, ah, gotcha. The whole thing gotcha. was a mess because- Trader Sam's is on one side and there's some kind of like order window for something. I don't know what it's called. I'm sure everybody that's listening is laughing because they know what it's called. But uh, they used one hostess stand for both. And so if you were going to just grab and go, I don't know what happened. But the signage was terrible um, to the point where like I'm waiting in that line and people are like, oh, you're in the wrong line. This is the grab and go line. That's somewhere on the other side. So I get out of line. I walk over there. They got a sign that says see the hostess there's no hostess it was really annoying after all that stuff and then uh so i get back in the line for grab and go and then i get to the front and i go is this the line for trader sam's she goes yeah we're using one line right now (laughs) i don't know why and i went okay fine but i already checked in she goes yeah no this is still the line and then you know it's raining uh they're sitting us down to go this is your table and it's like soaking wet and we're like okay so this is our table what else do you have for us nothing Maybe if you have 30 minutes, we could wait and get you a table somewhere else. And I go, well, in 30 minutes, the rain's going to stop. So forget it. Let's just sit here. And then as soon as we sit down, they open the hostess stand that was nobody was at. And so it was the whole thing was, you know, the monorail and this and that. It was a really bad end to the day. But that, that was my bad end to the day. The kids didn't care. They loved it. And the freaking drink with the, the cinnamon powder that pops in the air and the food was really good and the kids had a great time. And I shook it all off, you know, but... I, you know, I was like, oh, I should have, I should have worked harder to get a reservation in the park, but there was nothing, you know, there's nothing. And so that was just, the alternative was we could have just left and eaten at any restaurant in Southern California, probably around the same amount of time, you know, had we decided not to try to make it back into Disney not to try to get one more ride and go on a monorail, we could have cut at 530, walked over to the Westin, been in the car at 550 and gone to eat at 610 anywhere we wanted to. And um, and so we did all this other stuff. We spun our wheels in order to eat this meal. And uh, and and you know, if we don't live there, sure. Like you're like, oh, we're gonna walk up to our room at the Disneyland Hotel. So this is the logical conclusion anyway. Yeah. For us, it was just one of many possible ends to the day. And um, you know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's so crazy. I'm willing to get on an airplane and fly my family across country, and Trader Sam's is always part of the experience. And you're painting a very different picture of it. It's, it's like we said at the <laughs> I'm top. I'm dunking on uh, your 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 favorite places. Yeah, I know. Robert. Well, I, you know what was interesting too. I, I mean, even the fact that there was 
uh, reservations there was something that was new to me previously. It had always been kind of uh, find your own table kind of thing. So I liked that there was a reservation, but I didn't want to have it be ambiguous whether you're seated inside or outside. So I love that kind of uh, perspective on things that are constantly changing and your experience was was different there. That's a great way to tie it off, Robert, because there is tr- this is probably known in the Disney community, but it's not known by me. There's tremendous large amounts of dated information out there that is written as if it is like, like, like the law at Disney. And it's it's changing all the time. You know, I'm sitting here reading all these people that say, wake up at seven o'clock yeah. and do the rise of the resistance thing. And you go in yeah. the app and in the app at seven o'clock in the morning, it says, no, we're not doing that anymore. Just you have two choices, standby or lightning lane for 20 bucks. I was like, great. I mean, that's, but that probably is going to change next week. Who knows? I mean, I don't know, you know, but you got to just assume everything is like maybe not the latest info and get out there and try it. Well, you know, what's crazy. I don't think we've mentioned COVID explicitly here much at all. And I think a lot oh, of people right. that think about going to go to Disney, right? It's, it's all like, well, what's the situation with COVID? I mean, a lot of these changes have been caused, you know, kind of due to COVID. I mean, maybe the mobile ordering is, is to avoid congregation around lines. I don't know. It's just, it is the way it is. It's not necessarily because of COVID, but how did you feel in terms of crowds and masks and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't see how they can have a 50-minute line or a 90-minute line that snakes back on itself 15 times and goes indoors and outdoors and then say you can't stand in line for 10 minutes to order a pizza I don't, I, yeah. for COVID, you know. <laughs> um, uh, I, I will say this. You know, I had read some reviews that, that maybe once you got inside or once it was dark, mask policies at other uh, amusement parks, maybe in other states, were lax. Robert, they are so on top of it. I mean, two or three checkpoints along the way for masks indoors, uh, just in the lines of these things. Um, You're seeing a person there with masks. They're holding a box of masks. At one point, we were just about to get going on Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, and they were going to do the seatbelt check. And uh, as part of the seatbelt check, they noticed that uh, one of the people's masks had broken, and they only had the strings on one side, and they were holding it with their hand. And they said... We really cannot have this ride go unless someone here has a mask for her to replace her mask. Wow. And so, look, some of that might be theater and optics, but it made me feel better, you know, I mean, that that they're taking it seriously. Um, and someone, sure enough, had an extra mask, completely unrelated to the person, gave it to her, and then the ride was able to go on. Otherwise, she would have probably had to pop off and get a cast member to give her a, a mask and then uh, delay things a little further. So, you know, other than that, I don't think they were sanitizing high-touch surfaces. So I was sanitizing high-touch surfaces for myself. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the long-term takeaway is on that, Robert. I'm not the authority on COVID. I, I felt okay. Yeah. Well, you've got one more, two more visits coming up and you have another chance <laughs> to do another swing at it. Is that something you're, well, I can tell you from your voice right there. It's not something you're hundred percent looking forward to, but, um, I think having those future visits makes you not press so much to get so much into each individual visit. But the dining reservations is something that is open, I would imagine, for those future visits. You have, like you said correctly, a 60-day window for booking dining reservations. Make it Maybe you could improve your situation a little bit there, and you learned a little bit more about what your family likes to do in terms of rides at the station in life. So I think you're you're well-positioned for better better trips. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, the tenor here is 100% you've become a, a Disney fanatic, but some fun was had, <laughs> maybe to sum it up. Yeah, you know, it was it was fun enough. And, uh, and, and, and as little friction as possible in most places. And, um, 
I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that the next time around it'll be better for one of two reasons. I think I'm going to take the food situation even more seriously to the point where today was yesterday was not a, a day that could be negotiated, right? Like when the family's hearing that they're going to go to Disney on Monday, I'm not going to be the guy to go, but the dining situation's not ideal, guys. So we should look at next, next Monday. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, but I think now I could, like with this in my back pocket, be like, guys, we don't want to repeat of some of that situation. So let me show you the days that have really good options available for food. And let's hang the trip around that. I, th- I think that might be a better way to go. What do you think? Is that foolish? Well, the, the wild card is what happens that day before. I mean, you probably have a good sense. I, I wasn't mean, seeing even, it, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you if you look right now, you know, for President's Day weekend, you probably don't see reservations for Carthay Circle at the time that you want to go there, or wherever the other place might be. I mean, the depth chart really isn't that deep. You know, there's there's not right. that, and many there's not a lot of tables. You know, I mean, these <laughs> right. places no, exactly. are not like you know, they're not Bavarian beer halls. They're like, <laughs> exactly there was like ten tables at that place we had lunch, and I'm thinking like. I was really lucky to get that almost, you know, like, yeah, no, and Trader Sam's inside has six. (laughs) Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, um, it was enough that I think I might do that. Like I can't find anything good for president's day. Maybe I'll go the week after because I already have a Carthay circle reservation that day and maybe I'll skip president's day. I don't know. There you go. There you go. Or maybe not. And maybe we'll go with like expectations to just grab like something at downtown Disney which is still within security and, you know, maybe doable uh, if we did it like a little earlier, you know, I like, like did an early lunch and an early dinner, but I don't know the nap, the nap's the wild card, Robert. Well, I think we'll cover more of those future visits on the main show, but I, I think it's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> thanks for, thanks for checking in on this, on the, the show that we're going to put out on the, on the free network to hear so that people can get a feel for what we talk about on the paid show each week. So, uh, nice, nice checking in with you, Sam. I'll look forward to talking to you again soon on the paid show. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Talk to you soon. 